For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. I'm your host, PJ Doran. And Dave Selecki. This week we have Jacob Hayes, Jace Owen, and Shane McElrath. But first, here's the latest news in the industry with Tony Wink. Well, obviously the big news is the Supercross that we've been waiting on, the series finally kicks off, and nobody would have expected Justin Barsha, maybe maybe not even Justin Barsha, to come out and win the first Supercross at Anaheim 1, but he did it. And we were talking off air, something interesting about that. Yamaha has won the first Supercross of the decade since Supercross has started, I think. So I'm, I'm looking at, uh, I saw it on um, Damon Bradshaw's Instagram and Marty Tribes won it, LA Coliseum 1972. Then Mike Bell in Seattle 1980. Bradshaw, of course, Anaheim in 1990. Then McGrath in 2000, Anaheim won. James Stewart, 2010. And now Barsha in 2020. So pretty good stat for Yamaha. Yeah, boy, I'll say I, I had another stat. It was uh, guys named Justin riding a Yamaha. And they won both classes. You know, and that was interesting, too, in the First in the 450, we're talking about that. Barsha, you know, he was leading it. Cian Cirillo, who I I am not surprised Cian Cirillo is going to be very dominant in that 450. He's he's filled out. He's a big boy. Very calculated, but very fast on the motorcycle. I think Kawasaki may have a shift in who their premier rider is with Eli Tomac and Cian Cirillo both in the 450. But Adam Cian Cirillo passed him and then had a mistake, made a mistake in one of the rhythm lanes. Barsha gets him back. Barsha ends up finishing the, in the on the top of the box, and then Adam Cirillo, AC gets second. Cooper Webb gets third. Cooper was really under weather, had like the flu or something like that. So he was, you know, it, it's minimizing the, your off days to do the best you can. On that, you know, you can win. A, you can't win the series in Anaheim one, but you can certainly lose it. Right? We've we've said that old cliche a bunch. So. That's the old saying. So, and and it was funny that same rhythm section where, um, in the 250 class, where um, excuse me, I forget who uh, Forkner went off the track, is where Barsha also went yeah, off. Yeah, he track. had his issues as well. So I guess the track was was soft and getting rutted up, unlike most California tracks, and it caught Justin, pushed him off the track, and that's when Cianciarillo got by. You know. You know. And talking, speaking of Forkner, he was penalized. What a bummer. He. He um, was out front, and he ran off the side of the track there. And the way he – you can see it from his perspective. He didn't enter the track at the same place that he that he left. He only cut out, I mean, realistically, 30 feet maybe, but he cut the track. And in Supercross, you can't do that. It's interesting to me that the thing they didn't penalize him for was going backwards on the track. That used to be the big no-no. That actually cost – 
was it Brock Glover a championship because he turned around and to restart his motorcycle once and was going facing traffic. So Forkner did that. He turned around and got off the track and got back on. But I'm surprised that the AMA didn't say that was the reason we docked you points. Well, he gets positions. on the bike and he's the kid in his defense, the kid's a bit short, you know, and, and you can see he's teetering on the motorcycle. He can't just whip it around like I could on the bike or you, Dave, being taller, taller guys. He he's teetering and he just goes. And as he drops down the side of the track, instead of stopping, making a U-turn, getting back on the track. He just tucked in, and and I read an interview earlier today about um, he said that he he let uh, for I think it was Ferrandis by. It certainly didn't look like he was letting Dylan Ferrandis by. It looked like he was racing him, you know. Right. But um, it was. But yeah, it's just too bad for him. I think Fortner. You know what did he finish? Um, fifth. I think it was fifth. Yeah. So Michael. Well, it's a safety issue, right? That was a surprise. Yeah, it's a, it's a safety issue, but. Safety for what he did. I mean, stopping and as you're describing, turning around in a rhythm section, you know, we've seen it before. A guy goes down and then now we get a melee that starts because of all the bikes behind him. You know, getting out of that section maybe was the safer option. I don't know. Just a thought that occurred to me when I watched it. Yeah, I I don't know. Young rider, heat of the moment. You know, he was just thinking race, race, race. He probably wasn't aware of where he was so much as just get back on the track right so well, you can see the guys coming at you get out of the way yeah you get out of the you're going the you're going sideways or at best you're going sideways or even worse the wrong direction you go down and get out of your way hey i'm on the track again well he's Let's go. and he's a stand-up guy he, he goes look i made a mistake i try i thought i did the right thing and all right i'm penalized i'll live with it it's no big deal so you know, give well, him, he doesn't have much of a choice, does he? He, he, <laughs> he doesn't, but he, you know, he at least, you know, came out and said that. And I'm sure, okay, you could say maybe he was coached, but, you know, he, he's at least saying the right things. And, I, and, you know, let it slip by. It's Anaheim 1. Everybody's nervous. Everybody's wound up. And uh, it shows out on the racetrack, you know. So how about my boy Justin Brayton? Yeah. Running, so that 12 right up years. He was 08. He was a factory Honda guy. 12 years later or something crazy, he's back on the factory team. He's, what is he, 35 years old. He and I keep in touch quite a bit. Uh, having Him having that race at my track in May every year, the Justin Brayton shootout. So we talk quite a bit. And, you know, I used to hold, and I told him this, like even around the time that he won Daytona, I would hold my breath while he raced, just praying that the guy didn't get hurt. You know, so that he could finish his, I felt like he was in the twilight of his career. And it's like, just get done to where you feel like you can retire. Do you feel like you've accomplished enough? You can move on. He's made enough money. Just, you know, and uh, now as I watch the guy, holy crap, that guy's, I don't feel that way at all. I feel like he's getting better next week. Yes. He's he's getting better. better. And when they interviewed him, he said, quite literally said that uh, in the interviewing, that he's learning stuff, that he feels like he's better than he's ever been. And he's mm-hmm. and he was ahead of a lot of factory guys. I mean, we talked about how deep the field is now. I mean, it's just it's loaded with talent, which is great to see for Supercross. It's not a one man runaway, and it's a lot more competitive at every level down you know down sure. down a list. And you know he he definitely man he 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 does not skip a beat. I think he's as competitive as anybody out there, and he shows it every Sunday or every Saturday night. I can remember doing this this show. I, I can remember doing pit pass and like 
around 2007 when we were talking to Tim Ferry, and this is when he did the Motocrosses Nations, and he was the hero of Motocrosses Nations for Team USA. He, nobody expected him to be as strong as he was. We were talking to him, and he said that to stay relevant, he was he had a riding coach, he had a fitness coach, a jumping coach. It was like, and Brayton doesn't have those things, but he does have he does study tape and study. You know, we've talked about that on the show recently. Even what, how how much invested investment he has to continue to to do well. And but who would have thought it in your mid thirties to do what he's doing? I mean, you look at Chad Reed, and that's a feel good story. At, you know, at his two hundred fiftieth start at Anaheim one this year, but he got through the LCQ. You know what I mean? Brayden freaking won his heat race. Yeah, that's super yeah. badass. And I realize Chad's a little older, but not much. I mean, not much. It's pretty badass what Brayton's doing. You, you got to hand it to the guy. No matter from no matter what happens at this point, he's the man. He really is, and I'm stoked on him. So the other side of that team Honda coin is uh, watching Roxon. You know, he looked strong early on, and and not not that sixth is a terrible finish, but you just felt like he should have been a little higher up the the food chain. Obviously, the guy, guy's a great story. I'm, I'm a huge fan because of what he's done and how he's come back from two major injuries. And it just he looked a little off, kind of like the way Tomac looked, you know, just not not right. I, I agree with you. I think that Roxon didn't look like Ken Roxon. You know, he finished some, I think it was like 22 seconds behind Barsha I was looking at or something like that. It was over 20 seconds behind the leaders, you know, he, he commented that he was struggling with bike setup, that his, his suspension was too stiff and that kind of thing. And what blows me away. And he doesn't, he said, he's not making mistakes. He owns it. He's going to learn from it. And that's great. He's on freaking Honda though. He's on, he's on factory HRC. And I know that KTM is the team to be on right now, but if I was a little boy and, and wanted to be on a factory team, you want to be on Honda. Right. And that's what, that's where Ken Roxon is. He's, the, the history behind the team, the re, the resources behind the resources at his fingertips right now should not allow that situation to happen. He, he should not be chasing setup at Anaheim one. I don't care. And, and somebody that's more involved in the business can argue that if they want, but I don't care. That's, that's, that is silly to me. And having said that though, Ken rocks is going to come out and he's going to be dominant. He's at some point he's going to be, He's going to come into his own like we saw before the terrible injuries. He's getting there. He'll He's have, going to be there. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised this, this year. He'll have one of those races where it just it'll go off, right? And he's going to just hit every mark and just destroy him. And it's it's in, it's really interesting to me. I, I had read some things over the weekend about Barsha's bike and his setup where he's actually reverted back to closer to stock to keeping things a little bit tamer and look how it worked out for him. You know, he just looked like a completely different rider out there. You know, Barsha has been three quarters dickwad to a lot of people over the years. He has really just three quarters. Really, yeah, <laughs> he's he's been his attitude has been very terrible to and and very unpopular to a lot of people. And I saw it firsthand, and I saw it, you know, and you'd hear about it, and and just the way he treated fans and his team and and all kinds of stuff. And nobody wanted him, right? And he got a whole big slice of humble pie right and you know and like i like the guy i think it's i think it's an awesome story you know he was he was in the dumpster at one point nobody wanted him and 
he's you you know you could tell that he's he's speaking in his interviews they're they're not you know he he appreciates the the guy or gal that's interviewing him now versus before he he was like you're bothering me kind of deal you know it's just yeah I, I'm I'm pretty stoked I'm happy for Barshals in other words I am too I you know that's part of maturing you know he was a young man when he came up and a lot was expected of him and yep. he, he went right to Team Honda you know yep. so. You can you imagine the pressure on this guy, young guy sure. who knows nothing right. else, right? So he's matured, and I think that's a good thing, and it shows in his riding. I think ultimately, yeah. So anyway, I think it's I'm I'm happy for him. Blake Baggett, another another interesting story. Blake has invested heavily down in Florida, his facility and his program, and uh, man, he looked good. He finished fourth just off the podium, and it was uh, if you'd have said five years ago, Blake Baggett would be would be up in the top three or four or five in a 450 Supercross, I would say. I don't know. He's kind of an outdoor guy. And he, and he is. I saw him at High Point last year, and he dominated. He pulled a whole shot and checked out. Nobody, yeah, nobody even close. He just one of those guys that just the, the, you know, the switch flipped, and he was on. Sure. Yep. Yeah, so I think, you know, um, also Alessi's team, or Mike Genova's team, I should say, Moto Concepts, Smart Top, They'd have three in the top ten if Brayton wasn't on that factory Honda, because right behind Brayton was Malcolm Stewart and Vince Friese, and those guys. And Vince is a great starter. And Justin Hill. So it was. Three, oh yeah, Hill's two, on that team now too. I yes, about that. yes, sir. It was three smart top bikes, one after the other, right after Brayton. So it was. Oh, Honda, yeah. It was Honda, 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 Honda. So Hill is the guy. So just so you know, I was driving my Sprinter van, which has a giant TV right above the head. So I was watching the heat races, and then checked into a hotel room and, and got into inside just lucky enough to catch the, the last of the LCQs and the, the mains. And I couldn't remember, but Hill ran somebody really hard. And it was like, I think he's number 46 or something on the Honda. And I didn't recognize who he was immediately. That's who that was. Yeah. Yep, he looked yep. good. Yes, he did. So, uh, yeah, successful team. Got to give him credit. All right. Well, uh, we're looking forward to yet more racing this year now that it's finally started off, and I will go ahead and throw in the one O2 distant uh, road racing uh, upcoming deal we've got on uh, January 24th through 26th. We're going to be watching the International Island Classic with the husband and wife team, Hayes, Josh, and uh, Melissa Paris. Can't wait to see that race. That's a that's an interesting event. What's the website on that for people to check out? Because that thing and, and kind of give us what it, that is. That's the vintage weekend. Yeah, it is. It is a week long event. So it's Australia's version. Let's boil it into a nutshell. Australia's version of our Speed Week at Daytona. It's very much the same. A week long racing celebration, culminating with the International Island Classic race, which is an international invitational. Nations send their best, and they run vintage bikes. You can check it out at uh, the International Island Classic home is their islandclassic.com.au for Australia. That's where you could go find out about it, the 24th through the 26th. But we are looking as a team nationally to take it to Australia, who's been pretty dominant in their own race. All right. Well, I think that covers our latest news, uh, Dave. Do you want to read out our uh, this week's trivia on the Pit Pass Moto Trivia? Question? Yes, sir. This week's Pit Pass Moto Trivia Question of the Week. What professional motocross racer was the only racer that ran the blue and gold 
Grand National Champion number plates in what year? We'll be back later with the answer to that trivia question after our interview with Jace Owen. Next up, we're going to be interviewing Jacob Hayes. We'd like to welcome to Pit Pass Moto, Jacob Hayes, professional racer on the Gas Monkey Energy AJE Motorsports team. Did I say all that correctly, Jacob? Yeah, you had it dialed in. It's, uh, it's a bit of a mouthful, but yeah, you had it, uh, you hit it right on there. Right on. Well, welcome to Pit Pass again. You've been with us before. I'm PJ Doran. Uh, as you know, we've got uh, with us also Dave Selecki. Um, we're looking forward to interviewing you. How you been doing, man? How's racing going? I, I've been doing pretty good. Uh, I, I've let out on my social media. It's been pretty stressful leading up to A1, as I'm sure it is for many people. But just for me, it was for different reasons. It wasn't really the nerves. It was more or less I had a good 2019 and had some injuries, but none that were massive that set me back. Just some little nagging ones. And I went to Australia and I felt really, really good on the motorcycle, really confident, had a really good first round over there and won and ended up dislocating my left shoulder and breaking the top of my humerus. So that was pretty big. Uh, that happened. No- yeah, that happened November 9th. So I immediately got home and, and was trying to heal up and they were telling me anywhere from four to six weeks before I could ride. And that was on November 9th. So that left me really kind of scrambling before Anaheim one just to even get on the, the motorcycle and get some seat time. So the run up to a one wasn't the typical pounding motos. It was just trying to heal and then do as much off the bike stuff as I could. And then once I got on the bike, I gelled really well with the team, the bike, we're still doing testing. We're still figuring things out. We, we made improvements um, leading up to A1, and then I just wanted to go in there and just kind of see how things felt for myself. I knew I wasn't going to be the fittest guy on the track, but I knew uh, if I put my head down and, and fought hard that uh, I could put uh, put in some good results, and I did just that. I mean, practice wasn't anything amazing, but uh, we, we improved as a team, and the bike improved each time. I uh, got Twisted Development doing our engines, and then... Um, Mark Johnson with AEO suspension is uh, is helping us out. So, yeah, we just kind of improved and had a good heat race. Was running third for a little bit and worked my way back to fifth. Well, I wouldn't say worked my way. I just kind of didn't have that race intensity. So, uh, got a guys, couple guys got me and got fifth, which was, I mean, I was okay with it. And I knew it was going to be a long 15 minutes. And I was somewhere around eighth or ninth there, about seven minutes in and uh, around 10 minutes, I'm not going to lie, I hit a pretty tough wall, which I expected, and I just tried to fight through it. And Troll Train, Amart, got me on the last lap, which was for 10th. So I got 11th, but uh, to be honest, for where I was coming into the season, I, I can't uh, can't be disappointed. So uh, clearly you've got it. You, you, it sounds like you're describing some conditioning, which is to be expected on the heels of a pretty serious injury. But uh, other than that, I mean, the, the injury zone itself felt okay to you? Didn't you know uh, recurring pain, or was it adrenaline covering it up? With my shoulder, I didn't feel any reoccurring problems. I think with any injury, when you get back from breaking a bone, it's a little sore. And I, with a couple rides that I got, got in before A1, I worked that soreness out. So nothing bothered me at A1. It was just when I tried to bring the intensity, I felt like my timing wasn't as good as it normally is but all that's to be expected it's just bike time and 
I think each week I'm going to try to just improve and get a little better and a little stronger. So, so Jacob, uh, from from your perspective, you, you've had just great success over the years racing arena cross uh, with your Babbitt's years and in, in, in uh, making that transition from arena cross to to supercross. You've gone from the Japanese brands now to the to the Husqvarna. What's what's that like for you? Kind of talk about you know the transition in in motorcycles for you. From being on Babbitts to switch into the Cycle Trader Yamaha, I felt was going to be relatively easy, and it ended up being a lot tougher than I thought. I had learned so much about the Cali over the years that I'd been on it that um, you know pretty much every year I was like, "This is what I want to feel. I want to turn off the rear, and this is where I want the forks." And it was just kind of like I knew what I wanted. So when I got on the Yamaha, all that was just completely changed none, none, of, corner. none of those setups worked on the on the other bike right so gotcha. i just i i was a little bit in no man's land um and I, it took me a while to figure out the yamaha i uh i felt like it was a great bike and uh, it took me a while to, to get used to it but once i got used to it it was good and then i wasn't sure about the husky i haven't been on a ktm or a husk i've never been on a Husqvarna, but I, I rode a ktm 2012 so i haven't been on anything like that since 2012 so i was a little nervous and my first day on it i think my my comfort level was quite a bit higher than i even anticipated it being i felt like the bike was really glued to the ground and i felt like a lot of stuff that it did was stuff that i liked and it's just more or less kind of getting in supercross getting the bike stiff enough to handle all the big rhythms but also soft enough to handle the cornering, the chatter that gets in the ruts, and then also the whoops when they break down, they get real squared. So you want it to, to be a little soft. So it's kind of like a happy medium, like, hey, I want it stiff enough to hold this up, and I want it also soft here. So we played a little bit of cat and mouse at A1, like I really like it in this section, and then I'm struggling in this section. And we tried to make little improvements, like I said, all day. But going from bike to bike has been – a bit dramatic, but I think the easiest transition so far has been from going from a Yamaha to the Husky. I, I think the Husky suits my style. Yeah, obviously. I mean, I think the results prove that you had a you had a great weekend, great great qualifying, and and to finish off eleventh in the main in that crowd. It's a it's a deep crowd this year. I think or a deep talent pool, I should say, in the two fifty. Yeah, class. I mean, Supercross is growing each and every year. Uh, I'm such a fan of the sport in general and Supercross. I think it's so rad. I mean, for all of us to get out there and lay it on the line for 15 minutes, I mean, in, in front of all those people at, at Anaheim 1, I mean, there is no feeling like it. And uh, I was just honestly thankful to be there, to even line up. I, I didn't know where I was going to be leading into the season just with that injury, so I was thankful to be there. But it's it's so rad just to, to sit on the starting gate. And I was the first heat race. So to, they did it a little bit different this year. So normally we, we sit in the tunnel while all the opening ceremonies goes on. But this year they brought us to the gate, which I almost missed my gate pick because I thought they were doing it the original way. So they brought us to the gate a lot sooner. So I was sitting on the gate for all opening ceremonies and the national anthem, which was, I mean, to see all the lights on the phones and the national anthem and just kind of take all that in was pretty, pretty surreal. I mean, as a kid, you you dream of of going there and racing A1 and and to have that moment happen it was awesome. 
Oh, I bet. Everybody's had, every racer, uh, motocrosser's had that nightmare where, you're, where you wake up and you realize your, your moto's on the line and you, and you <laughs> don't even have your boots on yet, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Luckily, that's the worst I was a little, farther, a little farther along than that. I was, I was kind of sitting there ready to roll and the AMA, AMA guy comes running up and he goes, are you pulling out? And I thought he meant like pulling out to go to the gate. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you're pulling out of the race. I'm like, no, 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 no. Oh, wow. And he's like, well, <laughs> we're picking your gate now. And I just started scrambling to get everything yeah. on. And, uh, you uh, were uh, one wrong response away from getting, from missing the moto then. If you just <laughs> exactly. Said, no, exactly, no, I'm yeah. out. No. <laughs> That's <laughs> stressful. Right. That's got to yeah, be was, absolutely stressful. Yeah. Heart rate shot up real quick. And then I got down there and, um, but uh, at the end of the day, like I said, it, you can't beat that feeling. I mean, no, I, I didn't want that that certain feeling right before I went to the the heat race. But the the rest of the emotions took over, and um, more or less when the when the gate drops. I mean, we've done this for so long, all of us riders, and instinct kicks in, and you just kind of um, go back to what you do during the week and, and try to perform as best as you can. It was an impressive race. Uh, really, enjoy- it looked like. Uh- had they did they put on more f- liquid water before this race because wow until the end of the 450 it didn't look like it broke down bad at all like it really held the track itself held together very well it caught me off guard to be honest all the west rounds that i did last year even anaheim one last year with it being muddy yes it was broken down but we did practice with it dry and i did press friday morning i was like wow the dirt seems kind of more east coasty like it was very tacky very soft, got ruts really quick, broke down. But I was like, ah, it'll be fine. Come Saturday, they'll pack it in because normally with press, they just kind of get the track roughed in and let us go out there and break the break the place in. So come around for practice Saturday morning. I knew free practice. I always try to throw a lot of water down to just keep the moisture in the dirt. And then um, for our first time qualifying, I was completely thrown off. It was so rutted and so rough. It almost really? – um, yeah, it was. It, to me, it felt very, very much like an East Coast track. It was all the corners had five, six ruts in it, and there was a lot of corners. Um, I know you guys saw it on TV. Like we were coming out of the rhythm sections, and we weren't even turning off the berms. Like we were like at the base of the berm because the ruts were so deep. That made the track really tight and technical, uh, in a sense. Like I know the rhythms, in my opinion, weren't the mo- the hardest, but the track itself was difficult because the ruts in between the rhythms would grab you i mean i know a lot of guys i watched it back on tv last night i mean osborne went off the track Cincerello, a lot of guys yeah jumped, yeah you that... know, to the side of the track where it's hard to see on tv like all in between the rhythms and stuff it was rutted and you know you normally don't get that on the west coast but uh it was it was a nice change of pace and it was a tough track well it definitely changed the the tenor of the race a little bit. It was interesting uh, again to watch. So, how do you how do you feel about uh, your upcoming races? I mean, they, uh, definitely uh, a solid result coming off of an injury. You feel like you're going to race into shape uh, as the days pass by. Yeah, I think that is my goal is to to get stronger each day. I, I'm able to to be on the motorcycle and, and train and. Um, Saturday night, I was laying in bed thinking of ways this week I could, you know, bump my bump my fitness up. I know it's it's a week and it's almost impossible to to gain that much fitness in a week. But uh, if I can chip at it a little bit each day, I know come Saturday, maybe if I only made it ten minutes, maybe um, by St. Louis I can make it twelve. And it's just going to kind of be 
weekend by weekend, try to improve and, and day by day, try to improve. And I feel like, um, come, I'm, I'm hoping by, by round four in Phoenix that, uh, I'll be able to be myself, get back to my normal, um, riding and get back to being the guy that can lay it on the line for 15 minutes and battle with those boys up front. Well, congratulations on a really strong weekend. Uh, we want to, as always, give you a chance, Jacob, to uh, say thank you to the people that help you race. Uh, that you've had some changes in your program, so I assume there's some people you might want to call out. Yeah, it's definitely the whole AJE Motorsports Gas Monkey Energy team. Uh, they've been a big help. It's it's a new team for me this year, and I think everyone worked really well together at the first round. FXR, I'm wearing new gear. Alpine Star Boots, X-Brand Goggles, Hammer Nutrition. It's just a lot of guys out there. Um, Mika Metals, FMF, Twisted Development, AEO Suspension. Yeah, it's, it's so many p- new people on board this year. And uh, I'm excited for a new year and uh, to get some good results. Well, go get them, Jacob. We want to say thanks for uh, joining us today on Pit Pass. Good luck in your 2019, or t- excuse me, now 2020 250 Supercross West uh, run at the title. Best of luck. We really hope that uh, you do well. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on, as always. And uh, yeah, I look forward to um, getting out there and getting some good results. So yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, we'd like to say thank you again to Jacob Hayes. Thanks for joining us, Jacob. And now introduce our next guest, Jace Owen, Hot Rod Arena Cross Racer for Phoenix Racing Honda. Had a killer weekend. Jace, welcome to Pit Pass. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Jace, talk about your weekend. I mean, uh, winning three out of four motos. Um, you just had the one moto where I think you finished fifth. That's a great weekend. Talk about it. Yeah, definitely was an awesome weekend. You know, at the start of 2020, 2019 Arena Cross went really well for me. Uh, winning pretty much all the main events and, uh, you know, getting the championship in the 250 and 450 pro class. Starting off 2020 well, I uh, did just kind of have one little mishap in the first 250 pro main event. I uh, got a pretty good start, was behind my teammate. And this first race jitters, uh, yeah, I just made a made a small mistake there and it ended up like I, I was backwards on the track. So it kind of, it, it took me a while to get turned around there and I worked my way back up to fifth and I wish there was a few more laps because I think I could have definitely got back on the podium because the guys were right there in front of me. And, uh, and then the 450, man, I kind of turned things back around and I got the whole shot and the, the main, main event win there and then carried that momentum into Saturday and won both heat races and main events. So we're off to a great start and looking forward to the rest of the season. I would call that a, a dominant performance, certainly, Jace, to, to be that strong in both classes. We talk routinely on Pit Pass about Arena Cross, and it's, I wouldn't call it a rebirth because it never went all the way away, but we, when we get to talk to Arena Cross racers, we always, I find it interesting to find out, how do you feel about your series? Does it feel like it's growing, and, and are the fans really turning out as we know they 
absolutely have in the past for uh, the previous generation of arena cross racers. Yeah, I think it's awesome that arena cross stuck around. You know, I, I really enjoy it. I my first year was in uh, 2016 uh, when it was the Amsoil Arena Cross, and kind of got my feet wet in it there. And then in 2017, I almost won the championship, and uh, kind of they did that points reset, how they did it, and I, I lost it by just a, a few points to to one of my good buddies, Gavin Faith, and it was it was a bummer for me. But and then in 2018, I wanted to try to come back and get the championship, and I uh, I tore my ACL, so I pretty much. My season was done there, and then when I heard that the arena cross was going away, I was like, "Man, like, what am I gonna do?" Um, it was awesome that in 2019, uh, 2019, that Todd and, and Kicker Arena Cross, you know, did something, and and it was good. Like, it, it still was a great series, and I think there were some great turnouts, and, and it being televised and, and everything like that. And now that's back AMA sanctioned, you know, I think it's a series that's gonna definitely keep growing. And uh, just the the first race of 2020, like the fans, uh, the fans were good. I think it's good that there's some more teams in it. There's not just, you know, the Phoenix Racing Honda team, uh, the Cowie team's back, Babbitt's that they've won a lot of championships in the past and uh, a a lot of good riders. So I think that um, it's a series that definitely is going to, it already is growing and will continue to grow. So who do you rate as, uh, clearly you're a favorite? At this very moment in time in your series, you I would have to say you are the favorite. Who's giving you who's gonna give you the most work, you think? I think that um my teammate, Kyle Peters, he's he's new to the arena cross, but he's uh, you know, got some podiums in Supercross and and done well and, and rode for factory teams uh in the past. So him and and obviously like I said, the, the Babbitts guys are are kinda always there and have good equipment and, and whatnot, but I think, um, you know, kind of it's really up to me and, you know, not, not putting a lot of pressure on myself being the defending champion, but that's uh, definitely my goal and, and kind of where I expect to be is battle for wins every weekend. So it is true that that number one plate's really, really heavy, as they say. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I get, they, they always say that the second one's harder than the first, yeah. but um, you, you kind of have a, a target on your back, I guess you could say, when you have the number one, but I don't, when I line up, it's, you know, I, I just kind of know how much hard work I put in and I had a great off season this year and I feel great compared to where I was in, a year ago from now. Like I'm, I'm so much farther ahead and excited where I'm at and with the team and everything's gelling really well. So you mentioned Kyle and his, you know, he's got Supercross experience. I think you've got a little bit and you're targeting to join Supercross East in what, next month, I think it is in Tampa. Yeah. So that, is that, the plan? that is the that is the plan, yep, is to uh, get back into Supercross as well. You know, that's kind of the plan last year, too, a little bit. But just um, I wasn't quite ready. And uh, I did come out and did a couple races and at Daytona. And I qualified pretty good, top 10, and got a top five in the heat. Was around top 10 in the main. And then actually had a pretty bad crash where I broke a, a couple vertebrae in my back. So that was a pretty big like setback for me. And then I tried to come back at Jersey and I hadn't been on the bike at all. And it was like a little over a month later and actually qualified really well. I think I qualified fourth out of practice and was running top three in the heat and crashed. And then, um, you know, I had to go to LCQ, made the main, but just, uh, I, I don't know. Like I wasn't, I guess, physically and mentally a hundred percent ready for that transition and jump. And where this year I definitely feel like I will be, like where I'm at physically and, and the team. And 
and everything. So yeah, where we have a break in arena cross, I'll be able to start at Tampa and do uh Tampa and Dallas is, is uh, the plan. And then I'll have to miss round three and four of Supercross to, to finish out the arena cross. And, uh, you know, hopefully try to get that championship again. And then I'll dip back into Supercross East Coast and finish it out. You've also gotten a lot of, a lot of experience. Uh, you know, 2019 Prince of Bercy, you got to go over to France and race in Europe. What's that track and what's that event like compared to uh, like an average arena cross? Is it kind of the same track or is it something between that and the Supercross track? I mean, what's, what's that like? Yeah, I would say like Paris is something that's in between arena cross and supercross because it's bigger than arena cross over here, but smaller than a full scale supercross track. Normally lap times are around like 35 to 40 seconds over there. So yeah, it's definitely a little bit bigger. I'd, I'd say it's kind of like, yeah, right in between a, an arena cross and a supercross. So how do you prepare yourself for that? I mean, you, you, you've got your discipline down. Obviously your, your results show that. You've got your routine, you've got your training, and you're mentally set for arena cross. How is that? How does that transition work for you to say go race um, Tampa or the big track in Dallas, which is probably going to be huge. That that place is a monstrously huge uh, venue. But uh, how do you how do you get ready for that mentally as far as preparing? Yeah, mentally, just kind of like I put in the work, you know, during the week and this off season and. Actually, like training-wise, I, I train and ride down at Club MX. So I'm riding on Supercross tracks every day, and I've been trying to just get ready for the longer motos and take away a little bit of, like, I think last year I worked a lot on, like, sprints and, and my speed and stuff, and, and I lost track of the longer motos and stuff like that, where this year I've kind of, I feel like my speed's great, and I'm kind of where I need to be, and it's been just getting a lot of longer motos and, you know, the 15 minutes in and things like that. But I think me racing the arena cross is great though. Like I'll already have, you know, five weekends and a lot of gate drops come Tampa. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of those first race jitters will be away. I mean, yeah, it's super cross and, and there's definitely more competition and it's a, a higher upscale, but I feel like I'll be in a, in a great place, you know? And Jace, uh, so talking about the, the transition from uh, arena cross to super cross, what are your race moto, uh, what's an average uh, moto length in your uh, current arena cross series? Are we in the six to eight minute range or is it more than that? It's uh, it's short. It is. I mean, it's, but it's, it's different. Like as soon as that gate drops, I mean, your heart rate is completely peaked out because lap times are 20, 25 seconds. And uh, the heat races, I believe, are, are six laps and, and the main events are 12 so, gotcha. I mean, yeah, it's only about a four-minute race, and, and it's a full sprint. Yeah, that's a lot of intensity, I can only imagine. Uh, and it, have they got it set up? Not having, unfortunately, I haven't been able to witness any yet. Uh, are the tracks familiar, similar to what was previously dubbed Arena Cross, or have they made any any significant changes to the to the actual race itself? I think uh, the, the tracks they can't make quite as difficult as what they used to be just uh, due to all the different riders. But I think it's great that they have uh, all the classes now. So you have everywhere from, you know, 50s to all the way through 60s, 80s, beginner class, um, intermediate, pro. And, you know, that way 
even the, the up and coming guys can can watch the pro rider levels and, and see what we're doing and uh you know try to get there yeah so it'll be an interesting year this year and see how that transitions into next year because it sounds sounds like they're investing in the sport by offering more beginner level opportunity at the track and what i'd like to see i mean I, all of us would like to see is it see it grow and head back east a little bit because <laughs> it would yeah, be, at least make the midwest at, at come least on midwest. at least make yeah. the midwest because it's it's colorado it's texas it's it's all down south and west and for us you know it'd be great to get that get it back to where it was and I, it was a vibe it was a very vibrant series back in its heyday and you know we i think a lot we've talked about this a lot on the show which is you know where it was headed and and we're huge fans yeah and we're huge fans and it, 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 dead on absolutely and would love to see this series, you know, come back to that and then get people out to see guys like yourself race, you know, get more and more people in the Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I hope that it does, too. Uh, you know, and last year there was a, a few races that we had that, you know, we're, we're in Chicago, which I'm from Illinois. So it's pretty cool to be there and close to like a lot of my family got to come to that. And, and I'm based in North Carolina now in the Charlotte area because that's where the Phoenix Racing Honda team is. So we raced in Greensboro, which that was cool. But yeah, this year we're pretty much all um, all out west, and you know I think we're in Oklahoma and Texas and stuff like that. So hopefully, yeah, just I hope that the series does keep growing, and and even like next year and years to come, like we we can even get more rounds and a longer series and everything like that. Well, your team certainly uh, has got to be happy with the performance you're giving them, and. The fans, I have to believe, are equally pleased with the the level of racing. So you're riding both bikes. That we haven't talked to someone who's ridden a 450 indoors on an arena cross type track. I mean, does it feel? Uh, is it more difficult to ride a 450 in there? I would think it's a lot. That's a lot to keep a handle on uh, in a small space. Yeah. Well, actually, I'm racing uh, 250 in both the 250 and oh, the 450 gotcha. class. So yeah, I think that I mean for that reason probably. Like for yeah, exactly, cuz I think a 450 would be a little bit too much in that type of arena. And I'm a pretty small guy anyway, so I feel like I can get away with a 250, you know, and I can and I'm a good starter, so I can still get good starts on it. But I feel like that's where you would give up a little bit is on the start. But once you're on the track, I feel like a 250 honestly would probably be better just where it's lighter and it's so tight and you can kind of get in and out of the corners and it's easier and, and more fragile, I would say, just to kind of to work the bike. So, so has anybody on a 450 tried to move you out of a corner yet? <laughs> not yet, not no. yet, but uh, I'm sure before the season's over that will uh, that will happen. Yeah, there's no Tyler Bowers out there now, right? <laughs> he was, he was <laughs> yeah. known as that guy, right? Right, yeah, yeah, the bear. He he would if he couldn't get by you, he'd move you. Yeah, but. well, I mean, it, he's on, <laughs> he was on a big bike, and he's a big guy to begin with. So yeah, <laughs> I can remember right. stories hearing racers talk about. You get next to him, and man, you don't want to be on the outside of him. <laughs> Whatever happens, right? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. I mean, arena cross, it's it's so tight. Anyways, that um, it, it does become hard to pass at times, especially when there's good guys in front of you that sometimes the only way to get by them is you know give them a little nudge try not to t-bone them or do anything crazy dirty but um you do have to get aggressive in, in arena cross racing there's no dirty riding in arena cross we all know that <laughs> we've yeah we've no. never seen it never seen it jace we're uh 
we're nearing the end of our time. It's been wonderful talking with you. And again, congratulations on your spectacular results over at, uh, over in uh, Colorado at the most recent race. We're looking forward to seeing how your season goes and wishing you the best. Uh, we wanted to give you a moment to thank your sponsors and anybody else you want to say thanks to for helping you out along the way when you're racing. Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate it for uh, having me on the show and uh, just thank Todd, his wife, and, and Don and everyone for the Arena Cross Series and, and what they're doing and growing it. And the Phoenix Racing Honda team, David Eller, uh, the guy that owns a team and um you know gives me the opportunity to do what i do and maxin fmf who's your tires that's a new company that we have for this year that has been great and we've been able to do some tire testing and really happy with that and um god's fmf art of war suspension um Acerbis. there's uh there's a lot of people that i want to thank and um you know thank you guys for letting me do what i do and i appreciate all the help Just wrapping up with uh, pro racer Jace Owen of the Phoenix Racing Honda team. He is racing the Arena Cross Series currently. Thank you again, Jace. So this week's uh, Pit Pass Moto Trivia Question of the Week. What professional motocross racer was the only racer that ran the blue and gold Grand National number plates, and what year was it? And the answer is David Bailey in 1984. David Bailey, one of the greatest most natural riders ever in the history of motocross. Had the pleasure of watching him race back in the 80s. Just amazing to watch. I was able to get his autograph. I was a, a huge fan and a young man. And uh, interesting story, my son this year gave me a surprise Christmas present I never expected. Opened up this tube and outslid was a David Bailey, Paul Buckley photo for the wall in the man cave. So I thought that was, uh, nice. I thought it was pretty cool that my son his name's Bradley, which is for, for Brad Lackey, the uh, first 500cc world champion. His, his name was going to be Bailey if he was a girl when he was born. So it uh, turns out to be a boy, so he got to be Bradley, but he was going to be a Bailey. So that's, that's my connection <laughs> back to David Bailey. But uh, great racer. Anybody who's got, had the opportunity to watch him race is simply amazing. All right, next up on Pit Pass, we've got Shane McElrath, Monster Energy Star Racing Pro Racer, going to be racing this season in the uh, Supercross 250 West, excuse me, East Series. He raced uh, West last year. How you doing? And welcome welcome to Pit Pass, Shane. I'm doing good. Yeah, we're, uh, I got about six more weeks until our race, unfortunately, but uh, I'm really excited and looking forward to uh spending some more time uh with the team yeah and it's a it's a great opportunity i'm sure i mean you've gone from one of the most successful programs out there with you know you were with troy lee for a long time i think seven years was it uh yes yeah and so now with the star team and they're they're just killing it the last couple of years how does it come down when uh, when you guys decide east or west how do you, how do you decide or pick pick the riders you guys pick amongst yourselves or does the does the team manager tell you I think uh, this time it was more Yamaha corporate. I think that uh, their mindset was not to put Dylan and myself together, if at all possible. And that was so back a couple months ago, Will kind of gave me the option. He's like, well, what, what would you want to race? 
and he, he said typically they like to let people race where they want to um but there's been times i mean obviously injuries are what kind of throw that off but uh at first dylan was kind of back and forth between not sure what he wanted to race and so i'm i just kind of told him I, I don't really care what i race so they uh yeah, there, there was kind of a lot going into it with me being on new on the team, still still learning the, how they work, still getting used to the bike and used to the training schedule. And so as far as West Coast goes, I, I feel like I was ready. The team kind of told everybody, like, we can't tell you whether you're going to be East or West, but we need you to be ready for West Coast. So going into the weekend, we were all three ready, but we kind of I kind of knew earlier last week that i'm probably not going to race unless something happens like unless something bizarre were to happen so it's a, a team effort but at the same time when uh there's there's three good guys and obviously colt's hurt or or he would be uh ready to go too it's it's hard to uh really guarantee anything because anything could happen. So I think Yamaha had a, a tentative plan as far as uh, no injuries, but then if it came to a one and, and we had to throw a plan together, then it was like, okay, well I'm ready. Yeah. It's so, hard. To, it's hard to plan for that, yeah. especially when the injuries come late before the start of the yeah. season and you're, you're trying yeah. to lay your groundwork and be prepared. And sounds like you exactly. are. Exactly. So you gotta be just, you gotta be just jumping out of your skin on Saturday nights, uh, watching the other guys out there thinking, yeah, it should be me. Yeah. It was, uh, it was cool. Just, um, getting to work with those guys now for a few months and getting to know them pretty good. I mean, I've, I've raced against them, but from a personal side, it's been cool just really getting to know the team members. And so getting to be in the stands and I, it's just a special relationship when you go from strictly being a competitor to being a kind of a friend and a competitor i mean obviously you want to you want to see them do good once you build that friendship for they're strictly a competitor and it's like i've, I've got to beat this guy i like wh whatever the cost so sitting in the stands kind of enjoying myself uh with my wife and our family and getting to watch the team do well as a whole it was just really really comforting really encouraging just knowing like what we've been doing is is working and let's uh let's keep it going so i'm um, i'm looking forward to getting behind the gate myself you know it's it's funny you said that because a lot of people have mentioned that to me too about the star team you notice after the finish line dylan pulled up next to justin and you know he's the first guy to high five him Mm -hmm. So yeah. what you just said about friendships versus competitors, it's you can be both, you know, yeah. and that, and that's that fine line you got to walk as a racer. But I, I just think that star team has got a bond, and I think I, I'm really happy for you. It's a really great program, and I they they've just been killing it. There you see, I, I was at uh, High Point last year, and you watched the start, and it was nothing but blue bikes, and yeah. and they they really have a a really strong program. Uh, going. In fact, I, today I wore my Wozner pullover shirt because they're one of the sponsors of your Wozner Pistons, one of your sponsors on the team, and I happened to throw that shirt on today, kind of in honor of the star team. So congratulations yep. for you guys. Thank you. 
Thank you. Shane, what do you think, uh, without hurting anybody's feelings, I'm sure, what do you think makes that difference that that differentiates uh, perhaps this team a little bit from be it teams you've previously been on or other teams that you're looking at in the pits? Really, it's it's hard to say one thing, but I would say maybe the biggest thing is is kind of experience. I mean, with uh, with TLD, they really they really built that team up from from nothing and strictly out of let's let's go race. And with Star, it's like they they've been in the industry for a while at a, a competitive level. And so it's, for me, it's just, it's a, it's kind of a different way of looking at it. Uh, just the, the personnel's different, the personalities, and it's, it's not, I don't, I don't want to say it's drastic, but it's, uh, it's just a noticeable difference of where I fit in and why I fit in and just everybody's kind of going in the same direction. And that's, not that it wasn't before, it's just I, I've had to grow up a lot and I've had to kind of take on things that are uncomfortable and and realize like, okay, I, I got to do this for myself and my family. And with coming here, it's like that's that was the the motivation behind it. It was nothing, nothing outside of that. And so for us, it was tough, but we uh, we want to do good. We want to put ourselves on on a level playing field and we want to try to do uh, the best that we can with what we have and right now I feel like we we do have the best uh, equipment and it's up to me now so so talk about that transition to from the KTM to the Yamaha that's a you know completely different bike um, how did you adapt how quick was that what were your pain points I and mean, what was what was difficult for you well, I was actually really nervous just because I've been on a steel frame and spring forks for so long. And I've actually raced a Yamaha a few times when I was an amateur, but very few times. So what what years were that, Shane? That was in 2011. Okay. I, okay. I, I raced a Yamaha at Loretta's and Minio's and I got to ride. It was the same bike, and I got to ride it once before each race, so I really didn't put much time on it at all. But it was fast at the time. Uh, Mark Osborne had it built from eleven ten mods, and it was it was really fast for me. And that was kind of something I didn't like. Was I was I was a lot younger. I'd never really ridden anything more than a stock like two fifty four stroke. So it was a, it was a lot of power for me. But now, after being on spring forks and and uh the steel frame i just i knew it was going to be different but i'm like i don't really know how it's going to be the air forks i feel like really really cater to me in the way that i ride i ride more uh neutral and forward on the bike and so i i need good hold up in the forks i mean i'm already a, a bigger guy i'm already uh, a little heavier than than most of the other guys on the 250 and so that added weight on the front, I, I run a stiffer setup, like right out of the box than most other guys. So for me, the air fork has been a, a massive change for me, but in a good way, it, it's brought that, that initial holdup that, that I feel like I need personally and the aluminum frame. It's just, it's 
different characteristics in different scenarios. I mean, it's it's not like complete opposites, but there's strengths and there's weaknesses. And I don't really think that the the weaknesses are far off the strengths. It just uh, each frame does little things better than the other. And I think with the uh, the engine design of the reverse uh, the reverse motor and the frame, I think that helps take some weight off the front of the the front of the bike. And for me, I think that's a bonus. Like I said, with I, I put a lot of my weight over the front, and so those three main areas have really uh, impressed me. And those are those are the biggest things. Like, oh, what's different? Well, th- these three things are what I feel like really help cater this bike to me. Just switching gears a little bit, is your training program still in Florida? Are you with the Baker Factory still? Um, no, I'm actually training with Gareth Swanepoel now. And oh, okay. My uh, my star contract actually requires me to reside in Southern California. So we uh, we have our house in Florida, but my wife and I we got a little apartment here in Southern California, right by where we've lived before, and that's the current status of us. So it's hard yeah. to buy. A, it's hard to buy a house in California. <laughs> that to is Florida. for sure. That's true. <laughs> so yeah. um, I'm just kind of curious uh, with with this program then uh, with Gareth, where you're obviously you're focused on the the physical side of the mm-hmm. of the equation. How about for you? I'm always curious to ask racers, you know, because it's motorcycle, it's physical, which you got to be in great shape. The yeah. the third piece is the mental side. You know, yeah. what do you do to kind of prepare yourself for getting out there and getting after it? What's what's your routine like? For me, it's the mental part of it is is kind of in line with seeing the progress. And this team is one that is usually at the the front of the class, whether it's Supercross or outdoors, and regardless of the coast. So that's got to so, help your confidence a lot, knowing that going. Yeah. In. So, yeah. I mean, even before, it's like I I had a good good program, and mentally, I believe that I could I could run with these guys or beat them. But now getting to ride and train with them, it's confirming. It's like, yeah, I mean, these guys are some of the best in the class, and some days they have their days, and some days I have mine. But it's it's more confirming than anything because I, I mean, me personally, you, you always kind of question yourself or like when, when it's time, a little weird feeling, or you just, you feel off. It's like, remember like, all right, I, I train around these guys. I can run with these guys. And even if I have a bad day, I'm not far off. So let's, like I said, even if it's a bad day, let's try to minimize. Try to work your uh, way through it. Yeah. 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 But like I said, it's it's really been confirming. And just like uh, Saturday night watching the race, it's like, man, I mean, me as a competitor, I hate to get beat. So even during the week, riding with Justin, riding with Dylan, like I, I hate for either of them to be faster than me. And some days they are. But then other days I'm faster so getting to watch them like go one and two this weekend it's like man that that just it feels good because one i'm excited for them but two it's 
dude, what we're doing works. Yeah, let's, it's validation. Yeah, yeah, it's validation yeah. for you because you know you would have been right in there with them. You know, just yep. watching them compete, you know, what your speed is. And that's a good speed check, right? Yeah. You know, we, yep. we, me and the riding buddies always talk about it, right? You go out to the track that day, and if it doesn't feel right, I've seen guys load their bike up and go home. We we, yeah. we have that choice. You don't. But <laughs> yeah. I guess the point yeah. is, you know, you know when it's not right, you know when it doesn't feel right, so you – so you got to back it down or, you know, you could potentially get hurt and that's yeah. ultimately not helpful yeah. to anybody. There's a lot that goes into it. And like you said, we, we don't really have an option. I mean, th- this is our job. Like, I mean, some places, if you show up sick, they'll, they'll tell you to go home, but it's like, even like this weekend, Cooper Webb uh, had the flu. Zach Osborne was really sick, but those guys like have to show up and they have to race. So I mean that's that's where it's like all right I'm I'm under the weather I'm not at my best I'm actually far from it but I'm going to get a good start and I'm just going to minimize the amount of people that pass me or I'm just going to go as hard as I can and rest tomorrow and so that's what is tough about about this sport is not every day is going to be a good day but you still have to show up and you still have to be there so it's a uh, it's a lot. You've been doing great, Shane. I mean, it's, I'm looking forward to, I'm as much as you are, I'm sure looking forward to this, uh, East coast series, uh, to get ready to kick off. You've, uh, you got a little ways to wait. Uh, how do you, I mean, how do you like the, the crossover events looking at them from the other side of the fence? Uh, does that change the, you know, the East versus West head to head, uh, races for you at all? Not, not too bad. I, uh, I'm just going to keep working for me. I need to just fine tune a few things. Like I said, uh, it took me a while after coming over here for my body to adjust, to really get used to the bike and what it does in different situations. And I think that's going to continue once we start racing also, but we're trying to work out all the kinks we can right now. So for me, it's like, I I've only raced one east coast series before and it was because of i was hurt for the west coast so i'm excited to get back on on those tracks and at this point i'm healthy uh i've matured a lot i've gained a lot of experience since then and i i think it's going to be good for me and just to help further develop my my career and my riding and so the uh the east west shootouts are obviously something that i think about and it's it's exciting and it's motivating and going back to watching those guys this past weekend go one and two, it's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta, uh, get it together and be on my game, especially when it comes to those races, because they're, they're so important for points and I, I can't, or I won't be able to afford to, uh, to be off my game at all at those races because of the, the depth and the, the impact that they play on the points. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you out there, Shane. It's been uh, it's been a great career to watch, and and you're clearly still, we believe, on the rise. Uh, so we wish you the best of luck. Thanks for joining us, Shane, and we want to give you a, a chance uh, before we wrap up with you to thank any of your sponsors uh, for the help they've been giving you. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we came to this team on a, a step of faith. I mean, we, we feel like God was calling us out of our comfort zone and uh, so we really owe it to the Lord for being there for us and 
us being able to trust in him. And further than that, it's this team has has uh, stepped up to help me and where where we are in our career. So the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team, they've uh, they've really been a big blessing as well as the Toyota of Escondido dealership. The Dan and Damien from that dealership have uh, really blessed us with uh, help when we were in need and. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to representing them when, uh, when I get the chance. Well, thanks again for joining us, Shane, and best luck starting your season uh, in the uh, AMA Supercross uh, 250 East Series. Best of luck, Shane. Racing coming up for this weekend. We've got the St. Louis Supercross January 11th. That's Saturday. So uh, we look forward to that. Some more... Uh, some more Supercross racing, and then also going on this weekend in Hobbs, New Mexico, continuation of the Arena Cross Series. So uh, we'll be following that, and we hope you are too. And lastly, the uh, Dakar Rally is in process right now on the motorcycles, so we might have some coverage on that to talk about. I'm looking forward to all of those. What do you think, Dave? Uh, Supercross, uh, I would say my... uh my thoughts about the next one are, one, Eli Tomac is going to come out swinging for the fences. I what agree. do you think? Yes. Yeah, I actually he had him. Not, I, he had an abysmal for him start. Well, he had a typical Anaheim yeah, one. Uh, you know? uh, you're correct. Yeah, it is his I, typical. I, I really am a Tomac fan, huge Tomac fan. I just think he's the guy. And when he's on, he's he's untouchable. You know, So it, it's I think once he's got this first bad race out of the way, he's due. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with him. There's so many good riders this year. It's there a, are. It, it's a deep field. I mean, when I look down the list, and even at like the, the 18th through 22nd teams. You it, got Brayton, who was uh, I know. Well, right there at the front. Brayton and his teammate Roxon both were, Yeah. they were at the front. I yeah. And those guys, either one of them, you know, if they can carry that pace, uh, I, anybody could win that. And then something like Justin Barsha just kind of falls out of the sky, and he just looked Two years in a row, right? He looked, well, last year, I don't know. Last year, because it was a mud race, it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard to say if, obviously, he's fast, but, uh, you know, anybody can win in the mud, right? So anything yep. can happen. Just him on a dry track, watching him race, he just looked like a different rider this year. He was, and, he was flying in his heat, too. And he, he's, ta- he's talked about changes at the team and how he's free to, to ride how he wants to and set the bike up how he wants to. I think... Mentally and physically, he's 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 going to be a force. So he might be the wild card that drops in there. You've got Adam Ciancerillo, you know, a rookie that doesn't look like a rookie out there. No kidding. The guy's on fire. Thank you again to our guests, Jacob Hayes, Jace Owen, and Shane McArath for being with us today. And we want to say a special thank you for tuning in to Pit Pass in the new year. If you enjoyed this episode, Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app where you'll get alerts when new episodes are uploaded. And, of course, make sure you're also following us on Twitter and Facebook and pitpassmoto.com. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Ed Coolenkamp, social media contributor Chris Bishop, our producer Leah Longbreak, and audio engineers Eric Coltnow and Sean Rule Hoffman. I'm PJ. And I'm Dave. Thanks again to Tony, and we'll see you next week on Pit Pass Moto. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.